Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag. Today on the ZabeCast, pour one out for Tawny Katane, one of the hottest pop culture smoke shows dead at 59. It was a momentum weekend for the great sports comeback of 2021. Full house in Atlanta, massive crowd at Jerry World, and Peter King is still a dummy. All that plus another edition of, was that wrong? Should I not have done that? Your bonus, uncensored, moonshine-proof version of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Monday, May 10, 2021. Thank you for joining me. Hope you had a great Mother's Day weekend. Pour one out for Tawny Katane. Are you kidding me? Dead at 59 years old. I know. No! Not possible! Not possible! It is possible, though. That's the tragedy of it. Anyone who hears this song, who is about the same age as me, 52, remembers exactly how you felt in life when this thing was topping the charts and you were watching the video on MTV. 1987. I was in my freshman year at the Harvard of the West, UC Santa Barbara. And Tony Katane was on those two Jaguars in that music video, wearing nothing but a shimmering white Body negligee, what even was it exactly? It was awesome. That's what it was. Katane started as basically a rock and roll groupie. She starred in Bachelor Party and whose personal life was filled with radical ups and radical downs. Uh, She died in Newport Beach on Friday. Her daughter's sent out the message that their mom had passed. She had those two daughters with Chuck Finley, former California Angels ace pitcher. She was also in the perils of Gwendolyn and After Midnight. She was a child who got into show business at 14 when she saw Peter Frampton at Balboa Stadium in San Diego. She got a backstage pass and then saw the all-access VIP treatment that Peter's girlfriend, Penny, was getting, and that's it. She was hooked. She was sort of America's rock and roll groupie girlfriend. We all wish we had. She was on a game show back in 1976 to tell the truth, then migrated into movies, had some success, the biggest role, of course, that in Bachelor Party, and then she gained supernova fame in this video. Here I go again. Of course, she was also in Is This Love by Whitesnake, and of course was married to lead singer and guitarist David Coverdale, or just lead singer, I guess, but that only lasted two years. Uh, Katane had dated rat guitarist Robin Crosby while she was still in high school. 
followed his band to L.A. in the late 70s, was featured on the album cover of the band's Out of the Cellar album and their debut EP, Rat. Like I said, the Coverdale marriage lasted two years. The baseball marriage to star Chuck Finley lasted not much longer. She had two daughters with Chuck Finley, but Finley claimed she went crazy on him, repeatedly kicking him in the face with her high heels. She was charged with domestic violence. Those charges later were dismissed. He filed for divorce three days later. Katane also had substance abuse issues and was arrested for drug possession and DUI. All of those you can see on the internet, sadly. Tawny Katane, rest in peace. 59 years, way too young. If you are too young to really get it, and I know I've got listeners who are in their 20s, and some of you guys are like, I- I've been listening to Zabe since I was in the backseat of my dad's car going to school every day. Okay. Tony Katane was my generation's Marilyn Monroe. She was so hot, so perfect, so incredible. She had gone just beyond being another pretty face or a sexy body on television or in movies. She was an icon. Icon status. So, very sad ending. Troubled life. Tawny Katane. What's interesting is, in digging this up, uh, just checking out the, the background on the song itself and everything else I found in Wikipedia. So, the song originally came out in 82 on White Snake's original album called uh, Saints and Sinners. But it just sort of languished there. It wasn't really a big hit. They re-recorded it, though, in 87 with some tweaks, including a new radio mix, and then released, and it went number one, straight to the top and has since been recognized as one of the top 10 best hair metal ballads, power ballads of all time. Uh, In 2003, Q Magazine ranked it 962 on their list of 1,001 best songs ever. Yes, but is it a banger? I, I don't know. It could be a ballad banger, but I wouldn't call it a banger. The original lyrics were tweaked around as well. The original version had the line, and here I go again on my own, going down the only road I've ever known, like a hobo, I was born to walk alone. They changed it to Drifter, not out of political correctness, which wasn't even a thing in 87, although maybe it, I guess the explanation does sort of graze upon political correctness, Coverdale said they changed it to Drifter instead of like a hobo out of fears and just an abundance of caution that it wouldn't be misheard as homo. Like a homo, I was born to... What the hell is that? What does that have to do with anything? So they changed it to like a drifter. I was born to walk alone. The 82 music video of the original song that didn't do much had the band performing on stage. That was their music video. Boo! Boring. The 87 video, of course, had the appearance right away in the video of model Julie E. Tawny Katane, who was married to Coverdale from 89 to 91. Her notable sex appeal, says Wikipedia, was immediately recognized. (laughs) You think? No shit. Uh, she was in unchoreographed scenes dressed in a white negligee, writhing and cartwheeling across the hoods of two Jaguar XJs, which belonged to Coverdale and their guitarist, Kalmer. Coverdale recalls he even brought in choreographer Paula Abdul, at, that's, by the way, peak Paula, 87, to set, uh, and she brought in, he brought, brought in Paula Abdul like, hey, my girlfriend or my wife, she's, she's I want her in the video, she's hot. We can all agree on that. But can you show her some moves? Apparently, according to news reports, after trying to work with Tony Katane, Paul Abdul's like, I, I can't show her anything. She's just she's just, just going to do what she's going to do, which was cartwheels, splits, 
writhing on the hood of the cars and sliding up and down them. And guess what? That was more than enough. Okay, let's take a cold shower and turn to sports, shall we? Because that's what you're here for. Not a sports fan, huh? Oh, yeah, of course you are. So, we had full houses for three nights in a row, or at least two nights in a row, in Atlanta. The Atlanta Braves becoming the latest team to welcome in a full house in the post-COVID era. The begrudgingly very slow to come. Is it ever going to get here post-COVID sports era? It's coming. It's coming. So 100% capacity at Truist Field in Atlanta on back-to-back nights, Friday and again on Saturday. Mostly maskless as well. Now this contrasts greatly to the paltry attendance allowed at Nats Park, which I think is still stuck at about 15 to 20% total, and where my boy Ronnie Thomas said he nearly got kicked out of the stadium because the ushers walk up and down the aisles with paddles. And on the paddle, it says, please keep your mask over your nose and mouth. And they take the paddle with that wording on it and they come up to you and they hold it in front of your face because the thinking is, well, this way they don't have to talk. So that, that reduces the chances of transmission even further. You don't want to kill grandma, do you? And Ron was having just so, he so fed up with it. He, he's, he was texting me going, I'm about to get kicked out. I can't believe this. They won't leave me alone. It's ridiculous. We're going back and forth. So, that's in D.C., just 380 miles to the south, maybe, in Atlanta, Georgia. Totally different scene. Also, there was a huge crowd at Jerry World for the Canelo Alvarez versus uh, Billy Bob, Billy Joe, uh, Billy, Joe uh, Billy Joe Saunders fight, which Canelo Alvarez won in a eight-round uh, TKO, I believe it was. I believe he caused him to throw in the towel. His corner threw in the towel at the end of eight. 70,000, almost all, mostly maskless, having a great time at Jerry World in Dallas. Or, as we used to call it, normal. Just another thing we did and took for granted. So, regarding the back-to-back full houses at Truist Field or Truist Park in Atlanta. Here's Peter King back at it again. Somebody tweeted at him, RIP to the Mount Rushmore of Corona Bros at Peter King, then included at Dan Wolken, at Pat Forty, and at Jay Hill Unbothered. And it was a picture of the full house. Peter King, because he couldn't resist, fired back with 570,615 deaths, nothing to see there. Oh, great. Here we go. (laughs) Peter King is such a simpleton. This is why it's hard for me to respect his reporting on the NFL, no matter how well-sourced it is, no matter how much shoulder he puts into it, effort, etc. And his columns are long. And I don't doubt that he covers the league well. It's just his software is running on pure virtue signaling leftist emotion. And that makes me wonder, does he really have the mental capacity to tell me or teach me or show me anything when it comes to the NFL? Like I said, total simpleton. So let's take this at its logical face, which by the way, Peter King didn't logic himself into that opinion, so he can't logic himself out of it. But if he had, you would have to say, so what do 14 cumulative months of deaths across a broad swath of America, all 50 states or 48 plus the the 48 contiguous plus Alaska and Hawaii, what does that have to do with finally a ballpark being full again? So... Are you saying there should never be another full ballpark again because a lot of people over 14 months died, maybe, depending on the very loose interpretation 
of deaths with with or by coronavirus that we should never have full stadiums again? What what is he saying here? It's just incredible. We're in May of 2021. There are one, two, three, four, I think five coronavirus vaccines approved worldwide. We're deploying three major ones. Anyone can get a vaccine at any time in any state with literally no appointment. It's a roll up, give me a jab, let's go. And yet here's Peter King. He still, he just can't let go of it. It's the darndest thing. It's the weirdest flex. It is the most illogical, emotion-based nonsense you've ever seen. Which brings me to a quick true story about my experience on Friday regarding adventures in masklessness. So I go into a 7-Eleven, which is rare for me. I only go into one about once every day, twice. And the first 7-Eleven I go into... I go in without my mask. It's my local 7-Eleven. They know me by name. I know them by name. I'm one of their best customers. Maybe that's why they don't harass me without a mask. Although I've seen other people in there, they don't harass them either. So I go in without a mask, and I go stand in line. And this guy in front of me, who is uh, about my age, looks like, middle-aged guy, pretty trim, pretty fit, um, takes a good hard look at me, stands in line, turns around, and then as I'm standing there behind him, he starts doing this. He starts twisting his head left and right. Like, hey, wait a minute. What's going on here? He didn't say anything, but he did seem to be looking at my standing, not quite on the other six foot circle behind him. Now I was not crowding him by any stretch of the imagination. I was a reasonable bonus size distanced away from him. But he was doing the twist and looking down at the floor. And I'm like, oh boy, this is this is going to be a confrontation. My dad was like, I don't want to see a story of radio host gets in fight at local 7-Eleven. I'm like, dad, I'm not getting in any fights. I'm a lover, not a fighter. If it were to escalate, believe me, I'd be the first one to run away from it. Even some pussy who I should kick his ass if I could kick anyone's ass, which is doubtful at this point. But anyway, he doesn't say anything. Transaction goes as normal. I go get my stuff. I leave. Okay, great. On my way home, uh, I stop at another 7-Eleven, far, far away, near my parents' house. And I'm waiting in line, and a woman comes in, stands in line behind me. She does have a mask. And she says to me, can I just say I want to thank you very much for not wearing a mask? And again, my first inclination was, Ooh, here we go. Okay, here we go. She wearing a mask is going to start digging into me being all sarcastic. Well, I look at her. I don't say anything. I just kind of look at her. And then as she sees me eye her up, she says, no, I'm serious. I really appreciate it. I can't tell you how much I look forward to the day in which we don't have to wear these stupid things. I then looked at her and I said, well, thank you. And I turned and I looked at the giant plexiglass sheet That was between me and the cashier that literally went from the ceiling all the way down, almost to the counter where you could slip your, your, your money under the counter. And I tapped on the plexiglass and I said, besides, this is protecting us. I then turned to her and I said, high five. And we literally high fived in line. I did mention, I said, you know, I, I feel worst for the employees who have to spend all day in them, no doubt because of. Their employers are saying, nope, we are still mandating that people wear these. The woman behind the plexiglass and at the cash register, an older woman, not old, but older, said, I'm the manager here. I'm actually one of the store owners, and I'm wearing it because I got sick before, and I want to be careful. And I was like, okay, well, be safe. Good luck. I, I'm, I'm definitely not going to give you the coronavirus, but okay. And that was that. And then I walked out. Two totally different things. It's unbelievable. And are we ever going to get out of it? I guess. Eventually. But we'll see. The best story I've read to date about what has gone on, what has happened in a year's time, is by Michael Brendan Doherty from National Review. 
National Review's Michael Brendan Doherty, or Doherty, headlined COVID-19 Rewired Our Brains. I'll read a couple graphs from the piece, and you can look it up yourself. He writes, at some point, the pandemic and the provisional and practical judgments in favor of caution that can justify restrictive behaviors became an unshakable moral purpose. Actual weighing of risks went out the window. There's a deadly disease out there. My actions can contribute to the end of the disease or to its spreading in perpetuity both of which are false. Your actions can't end it and they can't spread it forever. Virus got a virus. He writes, it's, a, it's as if a circuit has been fused. When caution, while caution and restrictive behavior can be justified by a conscience informed by the risks, the human mind can also make calculations based on superstitions. Well, of course, we all do. We're all superstitious. We all have certain things we're afraid of. And one frighteningly common one is the equation of science with truth, fear with realism, and caution with virtue. That's great right there. I like to say virus gonna virus, and I'm the only one on that. But I also like to say fear is not a virtue. That's also true. And it's not science if you can't question it. Anyway, he goes on to say the once once the truth caution virtue circuit was fused. We found it much harder to introduce good news and new information. We lost the capacity to acknowledge the provisional nature of our judgments. The fact that a huge portion of the vulnerable population of America has been vaccinated in many counties, well over 70% of people over 65 now fully vaccinated doesn't change behavior as fast as the news about the virus altered our behavior last spring. True. The freeze was immediate, almost like Han Solo going into carbonite. Nerd! The thaw is going very, very slowly and at very uneven paces in different parts of the country. Like I said, full house in Atlanta, the paddle police in D.C. He goes on to say, this author, that this is made much worse because the costs of the mitigating behaviors are mostly diffuse or spread out. They come in the cost of depressed business environment for entertainment, food, and tourism. Or we see it in the cost of the heightened levels of depression that people are experiencing because of prolonged social isolation. The costs are sort of hidden. They're sort of watered down. They're spread out. So they don't seem as acute. You don't say, oh my God, we got to stop this. Another good example is the fact that right now employers, especially seasonal employers and restaurants and service industry, can't find enough help. Because giving people money and extending unemployment benefits and giving them an extra $300 on top of the $1,400 on top of the $1,000, it provides a huge disincentive to go get a job for a certain percentage of the population, not all of people. So a lot of people are desperate to work anyway. They'll take that bonus money and then they're like, oh, I can get a job too now. Great. Let's go. Cause I want to work. I need to work. I need the money, but a certain percentage, what 10, 15, 20%. They're like, fuck it. I'm on the couch. Anyway, this faulty experience, this faulty equivalence, he says of truth, fear, and caution doesn't afflict only individuals or the environment of major cities. It afflicts our institutions. It's why the Centers for Disease Control can get bullied by the teachers' union into delaying its recommendation to fully reopen schools. By the way, California, they're already talking about virtual for next year. The teachers' unions have made have no public health expertise, no special knowledge of epidemiology. What they have, though, on their side was the pervasive reflex that more caution can never be wrong or harmful. That is the essence right there. More caution can never be harm, wrong, or harmful. That's Peter King for you in a nutshell. He goes on to say the expert class has corrupted itself as well. The short circuit amongst the pandemic has led to a dramatic tightening of groupthink among public health pundits. One would normally expect that a variety of experts would come up with a variety of recommendations, precisely because, like everyone else, they value the risks differently. But instead, public health pontificators have tried to guard their authority with an ersatz sheen of unanimity. Ring-a-ding 
fucking ding. Also, he points out that the CDC's director, Ms. Rochelle Walensky, who warned of impending doom just a month ago, was completely out of left field with that because vaccinations were on the accelerate. Uh, Vaccinations were, were on the move. They were accelerating. There'd be no logical reason for impending doom. So either she just gave in to her emotions or it was an, a deliberate attempt to lie and to try to manipulate behavior. I'll say doom, they'll go get a shot. And that's part of the problem as well. It's a brilliant piece written in the National Review by Michael Brendan Doherty. The, the circuit has been fused. It is impervious in some people's mind and it's affected individuals It's infected institutions. It's affected the so-called expert class. And he concludes with a rather dim conclusion saying, I used to think coming out of the COVID era would snap to a close once vaccines were removed, had removed the danger from the most vulnerable. Instead, he thought it would assert itself in a dramatic new roaring 20s. He says, now I'm not so sure. A significant portion of the public And some of our leading institutions have internalized entirely new habits of thought and life. The circuit between truth, science, fear, and caution, and virtue needs to be unwired and reprogrammed. (laughs) Amen to that. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, ALPHA, BRAVO, ECHO. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag. DK Metcalf ran a blistering 40-yard, or excuse me, 100-yard dash in the recent USATF Golden Games qualifying heat. 10.36 for a guy who is 6'3", 235 is pretty, pretty good but it was only good for ninth place and dead last in his heat. Still, congratulations. People were betting whether or not he would make top three, whether he would win, whether he would qualify. He didn't, and he came in last, but still, that's an amazing thing. Amazing thing. 10.36, 100-yard, 100-meter dash. Did I say 100-yard? I meant 100-meter. Don't do track a lot, do you? No, I, no I, I don't actually, but still, this was pretty impressive. 
Okay, you guys ready for a stat of the day? I don't know if it's going to blow you away or not, but it's something. Something you could talk about at the water cooler. You ready? Here we go. Stat of the day. The Brewers, who won on Mother's Day, have now gone 33-20, and 20, or 6-23 all-time on Mother's Day. That is the best record in the major leagues. See? Milwaukee loves their mamas more than everybody. Behold, your stat of the day. Pink bats. There was pink uh, shot tracers in golf. Rory McIlroy back in the winner's circle. I love it. Attaboy, Rory. He wins for his third time at Quail Hollow. And he gets back in the winner's circle just a month, less than a month after his very disastrous outing at the Masters in which he walked off uh, the premises, not walked off the course, but when he left, he admitted he had been caught up in the whole Bryson DeChambeau chase for speed, chase for distance, and he had totally jacked up his swing. I was very distraught because I thought, oh boy, Rory's going for a long walk in the golf woods trying to refine his swing. Some guys never make it back. Other guys, it takes forever, but they finally make it back. The examples are numerous. Uh, Martin Keimer, after he'd won the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits, and he had already won an, another major prior to that. I believe he'd won the U.S. Open, then the uh, PGA, or maybe vice versa. He was on the verge of like, this guy Martin Keimer is going to be a major superstar. He's got a couple majors under his belt. Under his belt. Here we go. And he tried to learn how to hit a draw. Just for Augusta, because a good number of holes either require or prefer a right-to-left shot. Uh, fucked them all up. Totally ruined his game. He fell off the map for a while. Fought his way back, though. Big time. But it, it took a long time. Other guys who've tried to do things like that have been lost for quite a while. Not my boy, Rory McIlroy. I, I just love Rory because he is so honest and he is so naturally self-effacing. He is so real. He's such a regular guy. He doesn't worry about what he says. He doesn't go out of the way to be inflammatory, but he's just honest and real and just lets the chips fall. I'll never forget when he said he wasn't going to play the Olympics, in part because of the fear of the Zika virus. Remember that virus? <laughs> Didn't shut down the world, but at least it caused some golfers to go, yeah, I'm not going to go to Brazil for the uh, Olympics. Brandel Chambly, Brandel, Brandel Chambly ripped him. Implied that was going to ruin Rory's career legacy because of this decision. And Rory, when explaining the Olympics, was just very straightforward. He's like, look, we already play a global game. We play everywhere. The majors are our biggest events. The Olympics hasn't had golf for 100 years. Plus, it's a new course in a country that doesn't really golf in a format that, meh. And there's a Zika thing possibly around there. Meh, meh, you know what? Uh, not me. Good for Rory. He's always been the realist of golfers out there, in my opinion. And just a gorgeous swing. Great dude. Great to see him win. In fact, I need to compile an all-real team. This is why... Russell Westbrook, who, by the way, tied Russ, uh, Robert, Robert, slow down, who tied Oscar Robertson uh, over the weekend. <laughs> Wizards keep fucking winning. They beat Indiana in overtime. It's unbelievable. He, uh, he is one of the realest dudes in the NBA who just plays basketball, doesn't get hung up in the chatter. He's not part of the modern mean girls drama of the NBA. And I love that about Westbrook. So he's on my all-real team. Who else would qualify on the all-keeping-it-real team? Great players, great athletes who just are exactly what you think of them, self-effacing, normal, not caught up in the drama. I'll, I'll compile that all-real team uh, once you guys send me in some other uh, nominees. Medina Spirit tests positive for a band substance your Kentucky Derby winner it has thrown the second leg of the triple crown into a little bit of disarray they've changed the uh, draw for the post uh 
which was due to be Monday till Tuesday. So it's not today, it's Tuesday. And I don't know much about horses or horse trainers cheating other than this. Jockeys test positive, horses test positive, baseball players test positive, football players test positive, basketball players, not really, which is kind of weird. Golfers probably would if they were testing a lot more aggressively. Some, though, have tripped the wire. Olympic athletes have definitely tested positive. It's almost like there's a way to put something in your body that's been tested or at least researched to give you, um, what's that word? Advantage. Because winning is king. It's where all the money is in winning. And so even the horses cheat. Although I doubt this horse cheated on his own volition. Had to be the trainers. Can you imagine a horse is like, okay. Is anyone around? I got to go find some junk. I got to get shot up. Let's go. I got to win this race. Couple other things real quick. There was no real Aaron Rodgers news this weekend. So that's good. Although Adam Thielen decided he was going to step up. The Vikings wide receiver. And this was on, oh boy, what should, this someone's podcast, it looks like. He's got a backward hat on, dude. And again, I like feeling he's a good, good player, overachiever for a white guy wide receiver. Here he was trying to talk some gentle shit, I guess, at the Packers and at Lambeau Field. There's nothing better than leaving Lambeau with a victory. There's literally nothing better. Like, so, what's that locker room like compared to what you have at Minnesota now? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, and the whole stadium's not nice. Yeah. You know, it's not. There's nothing fashion. Fancy about it, like there's it's bleacher seats. Oh, oh no, bleacher seats, bleacher seats. We've got a nicer stadium. Okay, then I will say Minnesota's place is incredible. When I was there for the Super Bowl, I just kept looking around going, This is magnificent. It was freezing ass cold outside, but it felt like you were in this giant greenhouse, this giant aquarium. No, no ter- terrarium, whatever the rarium is. That's you know not water. The the light, the natural light, just shines on through. But this is the time of year in which Bear fans and Viking fans who have not had a leg up on the Packers talk shit, and they do like doing it when there seems to be some turmoil in the water. But other than that, no real Aaron Rodgers news this weekend. Shh. Very quiet, just sort of thought pieces. There was a piece in Forbes about how you know Aaron Rodgers has been damaged in the court of public opinion. Well, the court of public opinion, there's no real court of that. And any measure you make, like oh, you know, his video appeared at a at a baseball game over the weekend in some minor league city, and he was booed by a few people. Well, how many? Six loud guys, twenty three sort of medium loud guys. How how long was the booing? Was it just joke? I mean. It doesn't really matter when it's all said and done. Although I will say this, if you're going to give a tribute to somebody who's a great player in sports, make sure you get the right photo. Apparently Nancy Pelosi on Willie Mays' 90th birthday. And he is, Willie Mays is one of the biggest profile, still living American sports icons. 90th birthday for the Say Hey Kid. And she sends out a picture of her and Willie McCovey. Not Willie Mays, but Willie McCovey. Now, in fairness to to old Aunt Nan, and this is her district, by the way. She's from the San Francisco Bay Area, so she should know the difference. It might not have been her who put this out, but it was a picture of her with a black ball player wearing a San Francisco ball cap. And so... Both first named Willie, like click, print, ship, we're good to go. She then corrected that by putting out a picture with the actual Willie Mays. So there's that. She has posed for photos with both Willie McCovey and Willie Mays. Anyhow, Willie Mays, happy birthday, my friend. McCovey died, by the way, in 2018. He was 80 years old. From the, was I wrong? Should I not have done that file? Headline, New York City teacher caught sucking topless man's nipple during Zoom class. (laughs) 
This was at the prestigious Columbia Secondary School for Math, Science, and Engineering. Sounds like a high school. And one Amanda K. Fletcher, 37, appeared to suck the nipple of an unidentified topless male while she rocked her head back and forth. Mm-mm-mm. Following this act, Fletcher's face turned in full view of the screen. She shimmied her shoulders and smiled. Before that, students said they watched Ms. Fletcher eating spaghetti with the shirtless man behind her. Reports were uh, taken by the school district and uh, parents. some parents complained. Uh, after taking her mouth off the man's chest, Ms. Fletcher resumed teaching and discussing a worksheet, one student told investigators. I just need to see the video. I have not seen the video yet, but yeah, there you go. Hey, you know what? I say if you're of a certain age, I thought this was college at first. It it sounds like it was a high school, secondary school. If you're in college and you've got a sexy-ass female teacher who wants to suck a nipple, give you a little taste of something-something, while she's teaching you spreadsheets and others, I, I say go for it. Now, knowing today's college environment, that's that's not going to fly. The the females in the class will certainly protest and somehow tie it to the patriarchy. But as a guy, as a as a male student, I'd be like, oh, okay. I'm definitely looking forward to Miss Fl- Ms. Fletcher's class today. I don't know who that dude is with her, but okay, a little bit of. With my schooling. Finally, I'm going to end on something completely stupid, but maybe you guys have some strong opinions about it. String trimming. What? Yeah, string trimming. Weed whacking. It dawned on me as I did quite a bit of it on Saturday, almost two hours of it, which by the way is my fault because I have a large property and I have a lot of areas that If they don't need string trimming, I want them trimmed because otherwise they look bad. And by the way, it's not my neighbor's fence line. I still steadfastly refuse to string trim my side of my neighbor's fence because technically it's on his property. And I kind of think since he put it in and I didn't ask for it, didn't pay for any of it, he should have his grounds crew do both sides to keep it looking neat. Okay. That said... I was doing string trimming on my property where it needed it, and I'd let it go for the good part of the spring, so it was long overdue. This grass I was knocking down was a good two feet high. Not two feet, about a foot high. Anyhow, I thought, I'm getting pretty good at string trimming, but it's entirely self-taught. It's entirely based on things that I have come to the conclusion myself on. And it dawned on me that somebody should probably do a string trimming advanced course in here's how the pros do it. Here's the tips. Here's how you can turn the thing upside down. Use it essentially as an edger. Here's how you can use it uh, with high grass, with other situations. Here's how you use it to not knock you know, debris and rocks and chunks of whatever into your shins. But I never watched any video like that. I've never gotten an advanced class in string trimming, I've just observed some things over the years. So, without further ado, and I think I'm getting pretty good at this, but I'm no expert, I offer my top, my 10 commandments of string trimming. Commandment number one, battery powered is never enough. Never. And don't say, oh no, the new lithium ion batteries, you'd be surprised. It ain't as powerful as a genuine two-stroke gasoline-powered engine, and it will never be. So stop it with that nonsense. Number two, buy an industry-preferred brand. You know the string trimmer I have? I'd never heard of it before. It's a Shindawa. Shindawa. I'm like, what the fuck is a Shindawa? But it was recommended to me when I first moved out to the country 13 years ago and went to the local, uh, what would it be, a tractor store? Browning Equipment is the name of it. Uh, the store, and they sell big zero-turn tractors and some other heavier you know, equipment for people who live on some acreage and stuff. And they said, here, we recommend this Shindawas. That's what we carry here as part of our line. I go, Shindawa, okay, fine. It's been the best string trimmer ever. I've done zero maintenance on it. I've not treated it particularly well, and it continues to work and work and work and start, not quite effortlessly. you got to 
you know, you prime it and you know, choke it and blah, blah, blah. But it starts pretty quickly every time. Even when I leave it up for the winter, having not touched it for months. Shindawa. So never buy anything that they're going to sell at a big box store. Probably shit. Buy something that only the pros buy. Commandment number three of string trimming. Never go for any alternative heads that promise to make re-spooling the string any easier. They don't and they won't. So stop. Oh, this one, you just put little strings, little clips in there. It comes in a pack. Believe me, I've tried them all. Oh, I've tried all the alternative heads. There's just no better way than a head you feed the string in and then you turn it and get it loaded in. It's that simple. Number four, remove that stupid safety guard. You know how I learned this? I watched the pros in my neighborhood and elsewhere. None of them had the guards on it. It adds weight. It doesn't allow you to maneuver the head nearly as well. It's for pussies. Take it off. Number five, commandment number five is string trimming. Curved shafts are for amateurs. Oh, oh, it's easier on my back. I've got a curved shaft string trimmer. I don't have to bend over as much. Yeah, congratulations, you're 90. Get a real string trimmer that's not curved. Again, the curved ones, you can't maneuver them like you can the straight shaft ones. Commandment number six. And again, these are all self-taught. I didn't read any articles anywhere. Maybe I'm wrong on some of them. Maybe there's somebody out there who's like, yep, I've worked in you know landscaping. I know exactly how to use these things. You got to do this, Abe. Uh, commandment number six. And this is important. Calm the fuck down. Slow wins. I noticed this, I don't know how, but I used to string trim like a hyperactive idiot where I'm moving the head all around and up and down, and moving, moving, moving. No, no, no. That, that head with its near lethal string on it, it'll do the work for you. Just hold it nice and steady. Give it a lot of gas. And you know how when you tap it, you tap feed it, and then you get a nice full length of string, and you can hear that extra high whine, and you're like, okay, here we go. Especially if you got some open grass where you're not going to be hitting rocks or any solid objects, and you're cutting the widest swath possible, and you just give it full gas. Calm the fuck down. Put the head in there, let it cut, and just gently move it back and forth. Like they say in sniper school, slow is fast, fast is deadly. Calm the fuck down. Commandment number seven, string trimming. Accept that you're going to get completely fucking messy. Don't ever think, well, these are kind of my good sweatpants. I'll I'll just be careful. I'll, I'll kind of stand over here and I'll just, I'll do some light. No, your pants are going to get caked in grass. It's that simple, which a sub commandment is, I don't know how, and this is not a commandment. This is just more of a, I can't believe people do it. I see people string trimming, usually homeowners, not pros all the time. Sometimes in as little as flip-flops and shorts. Flip-flops. Are you fucking kidding me? I put on shoes, socks, and long pants. Because I don't want... I want as little of the debris that flies around like shrapnel hitting me in the exposed skin. And with that commandment number eight, wear full eye protection. Not just sunglasses. Because stuff gets underneath the sunglass can... You know, it, the last thing you need is, it's already a pain in the ass enough, string trimming. You don't want to get something in your eye. I know, you're going to say, well, you're, who's the pussy now? Uh, I'm a pussy with my eyes. I wear ski goggles because they're lightweight. They breathe through the foam edges and they're very comfortable. Ski goggles, that's another little pro tip for you. I do yard work in ski goggles. Keep all the bugs and debris and shit out of there. Commandment number nine. Don't worry about snakes. I've had people say to me, aren't you worried when you're doing high grass, you're going to come across a snake? And I'm like, why would I be? That motherfucking snake is dead as a motherfucker. I have the absolute God-given snake killer in my hands. If I were to see a snake, 
I wouldn't try to kill it because I, I'm fascinated by snakes. I'm not particularly afraid. I'd want to see what it was. But even if I was scared of them, cut it right in half. You get a string trimmer. And then finally, commandment number 10, string trimming. Hire somebody to do it if you can. <laughs> All that said, if you can, hire somebody else because it is a pain in the ass. All right, if you've got tips or commandments to add or uh, corrections to gently let me in on, please send them my way, zabe at yahoo.com. I love email feedback. Thank you for listening to this Zabecast. Couldn't do the usual Solly and Andy on Sunday because it was Mother's Day. I was enjoying it with my my mother, my mother, and my beautiful wife, and we had a wonderful day. And I'm very blessed to still have my mom in fit fiddle around and within short driving distance to be uh, with her on days like this. Hashtag blessed, as the kids like to say on social media. All right, that'll do it for me. I'll try to get Andy in this week as we kick off what I think is going to be a huge comeback week in sports as we round into the final week of the NBA season. The playoffs coming up after that. We're going to have a major championship in golf at Kiowa where Rory won going away. He just won this week. That's the two weeks. Can't wait. NHL playoffs as well. More stadiums becoming filled up. It's going to be a good rest of the May and into the summer. So buckle up, everybody. It should be fun. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend or two about this podcast. Spread the word. Spread the love. Rate and review as always. Have yourself a great Monday. And we will see you next time. Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag.